You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the MLB Extras Blue Jays podcast, and Happy New Year. Tim McMaster here, along with Gregor Chisholm, our Blue Jays reporter. Gregor, Happy New Year to you as we record our first podcast of 2019. Happy New Year to you as well. It's going to be a big year. I feel it. Um, and we're going to get into the Blue Jays, their offseason, what they've done recently because we haven't had a podcast in a couple of weeks and what they still need to do. But before we get to that, let's talk Blue Jays New Year's resolutions. If you were the Toronto Blue Jays, not just a reporter for them, but the actual team, what would your New Year's resolution be for 2019? I think my New Year's resolution would be to be more aggressive uh, with the younger prospects that are coming up through the system. There's been a lot of patience that has been required from from the fan base and from players inside the organization as well over the last couple of years. Is the the team has really kind of taken a, a, a really patient approach. Um, that's why you know guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. have not been up in, in the major leagues yet. Um, that's going to change this year for sure. And, and then the curious thing that uh, will happen after Vladimir Guerrero is, is kind of what happens with the next wave after that. Um, you know, this might be the year that Bo Bichette uh, breaks in towards the, you know, the very end of the season. This is the year that, you know, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is going to have an opportunity to be the everyday shortstop. So I think the New Year's resolution really has to be turning the page uh, towards this next generation of talent uh, because 2018 was really kind of a placeholder year. There's a lot of still veteran players on that team. Wasn't necessarily the most exciting baseball for fans to watch. And, you know, the results might not be you know, that different in 2019. Um, but for fans overall, it's going to be a more compelling product to watch because it's going to be about the future and kind of laying the, the groundwork for the next few years with, with players that are going to be here a while. Yeah, so many talented players on their way up, especially position players, and it's going to be really exciting. The bloodlines as well with Bichette and Biggio and, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. All right, uh, one thing it might be a little harder to turn the page on right now, Gregor, is Troy Tulowitzki, and I say that because he's not leaving the division. He signed a deal with the New York Yankees. The Blue Jays will be paying him his money to play in pinstripes, which will probably be a little frustrating, depending on how Tulo plays. But how has Tulo going to the Yankees been taken up in Toronto? Well, it's kind of interesting because the narrative around Tulowitzki has really kind of shifted over the last few weeks, really dating back to, to when the Blue Jays decided to release him. I mean, I don't think anyone up here had really even talked all that much about Tulowitzki, um, you know, going back now 12 months or so. I mean, he's really been out of the picture for that long for a guy who hasn't played since July 2017. I don't think there was much faith from the fan base that he was going to reestablish any kind of value. But now, of course, uh, you know, after the, they cut him loose, there was some some question marks there from from critics, and, and now even more so that he's joining the Yankees. And so, you know, if you're the Blue Jays, you're, you're certainly there could have been a better landing spot for him uh, because this is a guy now that they're going to see uh, multiple times throughout the year. Um, if he ever does any kind of damage against the Blue Jays, it's obviously going to kind of look bad a little bit. And then uh, just the fact that Toronto fans are going to be so familiar with him, you know, it, it's still think it's going to be hitty, pretty hard pressed for the organization to kind of regret what they did uh, because that was going to be a hard contract to move with 38 million guaranteed over two years no matter what happened I mean he was going to have to really start the year on fire uh, to have any kind of actual trade value so in a lot of ways this was an inevitable um, but it still comes with the potential of looking bad simply because you know the Jays now are going to pick up the the vast majority of his contract now over the, over the next two years and uh, he's going to have a potential to uh, to do some damage for a division rival 
Of course, he may end up being a utility player with the Yankees as well if they get Machado like they'd like to do. So it'll it'll take some time, and maybe he will continue to be the, the struggling, injury-prone guy that he was for the Blue Jays. Who knows? But certainly something that the Blue Jays will be reminded of throughout 2019 at least. All right, the team has been busy uh, recently filling out that starting rotation. They get Matt Shoemaker through free agency, $3.5 million for him. Then they go out on the trade market, and they bring in Clayton Richard, and we've talked about this, Gregor, whether they would go free agency or trades. They do both here. Um, and similar guys here, I think, because both guys have some injuries in their past. They also have some success in their past. And it's a buy low and maybe get lucky type of situation for both, right? Yeah, it really is. And there, there's no real risk here. Uh, I mean, the fact that they're both on pretty low contracts, uh, you know, three and a half million or below. Um, you know, still doesn't take away, any, away from any flexibility. If, if they if they don't work out, then it's not going to be that big of a deal and the Blue Jays can move on and, and look elsewhere. But if they do work out, then, uh, you know, there's a bit of upside there and the potential to, to flip them at the trade deadline. Shoemaker in particular uh, is an interesting one because he, come, because he comes with an extra year of control as well, even though he signed a one-year deal. The fact that he was non-tendered before means that, in theory, the Blue Jays could have him for two years. And, you know, he's a guy who it's been a little while now. It's been 2016 since he really put together a nice season. But uh, the tools are there for him. Uh, you know, Richard is is – a little bit more risky here, I think, even though there, you know, there's no real downside to it. But I mean, this is a guy who really needs to keep the ball on the ground in order to have success. He really struggled last year with an ERA over five. That was in San Diego in a pretty uh, pitcher-friendly ballpark. Uh, moving to the AL East uh, in the hitter-friendly ballpark that is Rogers Center, uh, you know, raises some alarms there. Uh, but again, I mean, it, the, this is an easy situation for the Blue Jays. Richard was DFA'd by San Diego. They got him a, a, on a very cheap, con, a very cheap trade right after that. Uh, so there's there's no real risk here. It's just kind of increasing the overall depth of the organization. Uh, and then it'll be interesting to see what happens in spring training, where those two guys come in uh, and compete against uh, some of the younger prospects that the Blue Jays had moving through the system as well. Yeah, you look at the depth chart as far as the Blue Jays go in the starting rotation, and there's a whole bunch of names, but obviously a lot of them unproven at this point. Marcus Stroman is proven. Aaron Sanchez is proven when healthy. Are both of those guys going to be there when spring training starts, or are those rumors going to continue that there could be a trade? I mean, I think those rumors are, they're here to stay. Uh, they're not really going anywhere at this point. The rumors that that is, uh, and, and, you know, I, I actually don't think that Stroman or Sanchez are, are going anywhere to another team anytime soon either. I just, that, that can change with, with one phone call. Uh, but the fact is the Blue Jays just really aren't operating in a position of strength here. Uh, you know, the Blue Jays would like to get value on Stroman compared to, to what he had and did in 2017. Uh, I think you're looking at a case where a lot of other teams are looking at the season he had in 2018 which in a lot of ways was kind of a lost year and they're just not really willing to pay that premium and uh, you know Aaron Sanchez's value I mean good luck trying to figure that out uh, you know former ERA champion uh, but a guy who really hasn't pitched much at all over the last two years so if you're another team uh, you're certainly you know the upside is tantalizing and, and it's the exact kind of arm that a contending team would like to like to make a move on but at the same time are you really willing to 
you know, part ways with one of your top prospects or a package of top prospects in order to make it happen when, you know, the, the downside is, you know, he could have more of those blister issues and, and another lost season. So, um, you know, I think both guys, Stroman and Sanchez, ultimately are going to have to come back and, and, and start the year strong through spring training and then have a strong, you know, April and May before, um, you know, these trades can realistically be considered. But, uh, you know, on the other side, Toronto's motivated to make a deal here. So there's no reason why the rumors are going to go away because, uh, you know, they're still going to answer that phone call uh, whenever it comes to, to at least have those conversations to, you know, if something doesn't happen now, at least lays the groundwork maybe for a little bit down the road. All right. So it seems like they've brought in enough pitchers, the starting rotation in a good place. So you shift to the bullpen. Um, what's left to do there? Uh, you know, I, I don't think the Jays are going to do anything flashy. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised if, if they, you know, contribute significant dollars to that. I think you're going to see a similar approach to what the rotation did, you know, three and a half to Shoemaker. And, uh, you know, you look at the approach that they did last year where they, you know, basically handed out, you know, a few, few million dollars a piece to a few different guys in Sung Won Oh, John Axford, uh, Tyler Clippard. Uh, I, I think you could see a similar scenario uh, arising this year with that. Uh, and, you know, a typically those type of deals might even wait a little bit longer until we get closer to spring training. I mean, the Jays are in a position where they have multiple jobs to offer people. Um, at some point in time, some of those veteran arms, uh, you know, they're, they're, it's kind of like a game of musical chairs. You don't want to be left without a, a spot, a landing spot. And so, uh, you know, maybe they come down and they're asking price a little bit more and accept those, you know, low term one year contracts, which ultimately is what I think the Blue Jays are going to be doing. But, you know, they need to add at least a, a reliable right handed setup man to go along with Ryan Tapera in the middle innings. Uh, and then they need to add a lefty as well because Tim Mesa is currently the only left-hander on the 40-man roster. So those those are two areas they need to fill, but they're not going to be the prominent guys. It's going to be from that you know that third and you know, fourth tier group of free agents that are out there in kind of a buy low situation. You mentioned Lourdes Gurriel and him getting his shot to be the guy in the middle infield up the middle for this Blue Jays team. That said, do you need some veterans in there as well? Do they need to add to the depth? whether it's insurance or just somebody that maybe Gurriel can learn a little something from. They do, which is kind of interesting that they, they parted ways with Tulowitzki because in a lot of ways that's, that's kind of the guy that you're looking for. You're just looking for, for someone who doesn't maybe come with, with the past big name that he has. And, you know, they, they've touched on it already a little bit, uh, you know, signing Eric Sogard to a minor league contract during the holidays. And so he's a, he's a potential piece uh, to kind of enter the mold there. And, and I think they're going to look to add more guys like him. I think you're going to see another guy probably add in the coming weeks. It's, that's probably not going to be on a guaranteed major league contract, but you see someone that's going to come in and spring training and, and spend the six weeks with Guriel there and, and then have a chance to, to compete for, uh, you know, the backup utility infielders job. You know, right now that job probably belongs to, to Richard Urania. Uh, but I, I think the Blue Jays wouldn't mind stashing him in the minor leagues for just one more year at the start of the year, at least. To, just to build that organization depth and, and you know, add a little bit more of a, a veteran influence to that final spot on the bench. It'll certainly be interesting. No big moves to be had, but still some work to be done for this Blue Jays team as they head towards 2018. But I think we tackled what the big theme is going to be right up front, and that is the youth movement and so many exciting players who are on the way. All right, we're going to keep bringing you these podcasts throughout the offseason. We're going to get in-depth as far as position by position going forward as well. But that'll do it for this edition. You can follow Gregor on Twitter at GregorMLB. I'm on there at MLB underscore McMaster. You can find all of your MLB Extras Club podcasts 
at MLB.com backslash podcast or on Google Play and Apple Podcast as well. Thanks to our producer, Marissa Morris, who puts it all together. For Gregor Chisholm, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for listening.